All right. Thank you for that. Wonderful. Well, if that doesn't get you fired up, that's great. And thank you for that. And good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Thanks for coming at the nine o'clock um, hour here for life groups. And we're going to have just a, a bit of a different, um, a different uh, time here this morning. We're going to have a, a time of discussion. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Mansour, Pastor Gus, if you could come join me here to this morning. Um, we've had a great couple of days, haven't we, church? Just uh, been wonderful to be challenged in God's Word again about, uh, about missions. And if you haven't had the chance to, to join us this, uh, this week already, um, it's, it's just been good to be reminded about the, the need for missions, not just in a general sense, but particularly why it's important to keep that mission zeal uh, within our own bless that and just um, and then go through that this morning and then if we have time later um, in the session if you if there's any questions then happy to take those as well just relating to relating to the topic but um, it's been good to good to um, to also just catch up with uh, my uh, two dear friends here um, we ministered for a long time together in um, in the city of Sydney, and um, we we enjoyed that fellowship there. Just um, seeing each other's works, just continue um, all through all of its ups and downs. But then also in in just the way God has um, worked in all of our lives and, and the different areas there. And one of the things I think that is definitely needful in regard to just seeing our nation. Uh, one back to the Lord is uh, for for churches to work together and and churches like ours to just have a vision for not only our locality but then just a vision for the for the nation and and what we're doing and so um before we get too much into it that I'm just going to ask these men to just share a little bit of their testimony in, in the way they got into ministry and and um you know, we're all different in, in the way God has brought us to the place we're at now. And I think it'd just be good for, for the church to get to know them a little bit more that way. And so, um, uh, who'd like to start, Pastor Vance? I'd just oh, volunteer. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thank you. And good morning to you all. Um, just a, a bit of background. I was born in Lebanon, Beirut, Beirut. Uh, and came to Australia in 1977. I was nine years old. And uh, I got saved at that age in the church that I am in right now. So I came, uh, it was just being planted by Pastor Hester. Uh, he was an American missionary that went to Lebanon and because of the Civil War left and came to Australia to minister to the Lebanese. And so I believe I'm a product of missions, somebody who left and came and uh, reached us with the gospel. And it was God's providential care in moving us out of Lebanon to come to Australia because this is where I believe we heard the gospel and the whole family got saved. And so this was God's hand uh, and just miraculously delivering us out of that civil war, coming to this country, a great country of Australia, um, and, uh, and getting saved at a young age and seeing our family come to know the Lord. And so, you know, having a desire to, to serve, it was very difficult back in those days uh, Churches were quite small. Uh, you know, I was uh, instructed to go to university, uh, get a degree, get some kind of career path to fund myself and, 
and just serve the Lord in that, in that capacity. So I went down that journey, down the business route, uh, became a chartered accountant, had my own practice, worked for large firms, then had my own business, and, uh, and just serving the Lord along the way. But, you know, some people come into the ministry through different means. Uh, one, you get a calling, you're in a meeting, and you feel God called you into the ministry. And uh, some would be, you know, serving. And as you're serving, you know, it's just a gradual step that God elevates you uh, into the next level. And uh, for some, like me, it was kind of thrust upon me in a way that we went through a very difficult time as a church about seven years ago. And, uh, you know, doctrines that, was, that you know, had crept in that was not right. And, and uh, you know, the church went through a, a, a split and I had to stand up and, and fight for the church and fight for the right doctrine, uh, even though I was not the pastor at that time. We didn't have a pastor. So, so it just felt like the ministry was just thrust upon me. Mm-hmm. And in that, uh, in that way, uh, just God be, began to make it clear for me, make it clear that this is what he wanted me to do and... And I, I had to wait on the Lord to, uh, to really make that clear to the congregation. Uh, you know, we waited for a couple of years, and, and uh, it was at the time where the Lord made it clear to them that I should pastor the church, that then I was ordained and went into the full-time ministry. Uh, but the journey's always been there, you know, been in the same church for 46 years, grew up there, and then ended up being the pastor of that church. Um, my journey was uh, completely different. I was, uh, I was born um, in the country that won the World Cup. Okay, right. I just thought I'd add that. All right. Um, we came to Australia from Argentina when I was six. Uh, I was born into a, a nominal Catholic uh, home. And, um, and I, didn't, I didn't get saved until I was 28. Um, uh, and that's, that's a, a topic for a whole a whole nother time, but uh, I got saved on the 22nd of April, 2002, uh, under the ministry of uh, Pastor Brad Williamson over in the western suburbs of Sydney, uh, Crossroads Baptist Church. And uh, I came to the Lord, and within about three or four months, uh, I, I knew that, um, that, that God had called me to do something with my life uh, other than, than, than just, to, just to, to be a Christian. Um, uh, I, I, straight away, I felt this great urgency that I had wasted all this time being saved as an as a, as a older guy. And um, about a year into it, I, um, I went to my pastor, and I was only a year old in the faith, and I said to my pastor, I said, um, that's it, I'm going to sell my home. I'm going to, uh, uh, I'm done. I'm going to go into Bible college. I'm, I'm going to go do something. And he said, Look, just slow down. Just slow down. Wait on the Lord. And it was the, first, the first lesson that you have to learn is wait on God. Um, but I did go. I, did. I didn't sell my house, all right? <laughs> I, went to, I went to Bible college. I went to Bible college not really knowing what God wanted me to do. And it's uh, very much like you said, uh, Pastor, it's, uh, uh, I just got busy serving the Lord, waiting on God. I, I um, basically everything that was needed to be done in our church, I did. Uh, I had my hand in everything. I, I mean, I can't, I can't carry a tune in a, in a handbasket. And I song led. Um, I really have no patience for little children. And I became the Sunday school superintendent. <laughs> um, 
uh, I, I started preaching. I, uh, I, I went to door, door knocking. I mean, you name it, I, I did it. And um, it was just, it's just a, a, a progression of, of just serving in the, in the church. And, and, and I did that. I grew. Uh, my church was my Bible college. I went to Bible college part-time as a 35-year-old man. Um, and, and my church was my, my, uh, my Bible college. Uh, and then it sort of went what I perceived to be south when uh, after 11 years in the same church, that's the church that I got saved in, uh, the church that uh, my children uh, were, were born and raised in, uh, God said to me one day, um, I want you to go. I want you to leave that church. Um, me and my wife, we call that our um, uh, Abraham uh, wandering experience. Uh, I had, I had um, a friendship by that stage with uh, uh, Brother Mark Tossel that you guys would know. And um, he started to, to struggle in the ministry and he had some health issues and uh, uh, God put it on, on my heart that you need to go give that man a hand. Um, that's what I've been raising you up for and that's what I've been teaching you for and, and you need to go and you need to help him. And uh, I didn't like it, folks. Sometimes the will of God is hard to do. Um, we were comfortable. I was. I was. I was. Had friends. I had my, my, my church family was there, and as much as, as I knew Mark and, and I loved him, it was a, a completely different church. It was different people that I didn't know very well. Uh, but you always obey the Lord, and I grabbed my family and um, and uh, and we shifted 45 minutes down the road to um, to uh, the eastern suburbs of Sydney in La Perouse. And I remember that first day that we, that, that we arrived there and I sat down and I, and I looked at her and I said, what on earth are we doing here? And um, uh, I got involved in ministry uh, we, without any plans of, of, of getting into ministry at that stage, still waiting on the Lord. And uh, one day, uh, Brother Mark approached me and said, um, look, I, 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 need to, I need to give you the authority in the church uh, to, to lead. I want to make you the, the assistant pastor. I said to him, Pastor, if you, if you think that's going to help you, if you think that's going to help our people, uh, uh, I'll, I'll take your lead. Uh, so I got ordained um, on the 16th of February 2015 as the assistant pastor. And uh, I, just, I was just there. I was a gopher boy. All right? I, I just go for this and go for that. Yes, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And... Um, uh, so I was the assistant pastor for a year. And I remember the day, church, I remember the day we, we used to have a monthly coffee uh, catch-up uh, with, with uh, the deacon in our church as well. And uh, we sat uh, in that coffee shop and uh, Brother Mark walked in and uh, he sat down, he put his head down, he got two bits of paper out and he handed in his resignation. And uh, I remember the day like it was yesterday. And uh, I looked at Andrew, Andrew looked at me, and he said, what do we do now? And, um, uh, and, and that was it. And uh, straight away, a deacon looked at me and goes, how about you? I said, brother, it's uh, off the Lord. And uh, for seven months, folks, we didn't, we didn't have a pastor. Uh, you just don't step up because you just do that. It has to be from God, the calling. And as far as I knew, I was supposed to be the assistant pastor. So we actually candidated some men uh, that came. Uh, we never had, the church never had any peace about that. And um, I, I didn't have any peace. And uh, as is always the case, this church made the difference. 
And uh, we came to, to Leadership Conference in 2016. And uh, like uh, our custom is that uh, we get everywhere early. I have this thing about being late. And uh, um, I'm going to ask the Lord, I pray, can I be the first one to be raptured? I know we all go together, but, you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, so what happened is we got here really early. The doors were open. And, um, and we came in and, uh, and we came seeking. Me and my wife, we had a heavy heart. Uh, it, it's a difficult thing when there's, there's a, and you, you lived it, you guys, you guys lived it when the church hasn't got a pastor, and um, we, we were burdened. Um, there was a lot of pressure for me to step up, and I didn't have the will of God f for me for that. And uh, we walked in the church, and we sat down in the back, in the back, and there was only one or two people in here. And we sat down there uh, in the back row, and uh, we lifted up our eyes, and on that wall right there was your theme for the, um, for the conference from uh, the Gospel of John. There was a big, ugly head of a sheep. <laughs> and what, what was the theme? Feed my sheep. And we sat there, me and my wife, we were glued to that side. We didn't hear a message. We hadn't sung a song. We hadn't done anything. And God said, now is your time. You need to go back home and you need to put your hand up to the pulpit. You need to quit the pulpit committee. You need to raise your hand. And he said, God asked me to, to be the pastor. And uh, the rest of the conference was a, a confirmation of that. And uh, did exactly obey the Lord. I went home and I um, uh, resigned from the pulpit committee. And uh, six weeks later, the church voted unanimously, uh, unanimously uh, to put me in, in the pastorate. And uh, that's going on to seven years, folks, that I've been the pastor. That is my journey into the ministry. Um, walk with the Lord. Stay close to your Saviour. And whatever God's will for you is, he will show you the, he will show you the road. Yeah, that's the key. Everyone, everyone here, we've all got a different calling. Everyone's got a different different will of God for, for each one of us and I think that's the key you know you, you you hear these men and sort of the journey to where we're at now but, and we're all different and that's going to be the really the the pattern for for everyone but the common thing there is just following God and I think we you know we're, we're thinking this week about the the need for 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 missions to be at the forefront and a priority in our hearts, that's part of that's part of God's revealed will. And you know, many times we focus on the the details of God's secret will for us in the sense of the things that we have to seek Him for. But oftentimes it's His revealed will that you know we we can ignore or don't find importance in. Mm -hmm. But it's actually in the revealed will that we are going to find much of the secrets that God will, will bring in time to come. And uh, my observation of um, my two friends here, as, uh, as I've observed that, both from as a young person who just was part of the, the church, part of different conferences, different meetings, and bumping into them through, through ministry, is I've just seen a closeness with the Lord. And, and you know, when the time came, it was for me, as an outside observer, it was very evident 
that God was going to place them in those in those roles. And um, I remember both uh, ordinations, but also just the journey a little bit. Just again, just as your friends, just observing all of that, and it was really evident. Um, it was just a to me an affirmation of what God was already revealing in others' lives as well. So, um, so really, when you think about it, we've been involved in in a bit of the history of, of especially in the independent Baptist movement here in, in Australia, just <coughs> seeing it through its different cycles and seasons. And, you know, we live in a time in, in our nation where there's a great need for the gospel and a great need for, for Christians to, to stand up and, and be known and, and declare the, that, like the choir, or the, the group saying this morning, that Jesus saves. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think we all agree this this morning that our society is where it's at is the the reason why it's there is there, there perhaps has been a bit of a taking off the our foot off the pedal in regard to um regard to just living the christian life and um i wanted to ask these men just in their observation over the course of just their time you know as aussies but also their time as christians whether they whether you see Christianity, and where do you see church right now in, as far as Australia is concerned? What's your observations of where it's at currently? You want me to go? Okay. <laughs> um, I think, I think uh, the Christianity as a whole, we're, we're, if you look at the last census, I think uh, it, it was said, it was declared that only 40% of Australians now identify with any form of Christianity. Um, I think from uh, looking at our country, secularism is quite dominant. Um, It's uh, in our schools, uh, it's in our universities, it's in the workplace, uh, and it's coming into churches as well. Uh, And uh, the more affluent of a society we become, the less of our awareness and need of God is. So uh, Christianity today has become a little bit more of a consumer Christianity. I spoke about that last night, where we begin to pick and choose what we want. Uh, We're no longer wholeheartedly uh, loving the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with with everything that we have. We've become people of choice. And really the, the state of the nation is because Christians have not, done what they should be doing. If you really look at our, at our history, we started off as a Christian nation. But once you begin to lose and give up, give up ground uh, that our forefathers had, you don't get to win it back. Have you noticed that? And, and today we've got many Christians who make decisions and give up ground that God had given us and we just give it away freely and so we get on this decline, and there's less impact, less, you know, less, uh, um, I guess, positioning or impacting uh, that is necessary. And it all starts with each one of us making that decision, and how we position our homes, how we position our children. Uh, you know, it all starts there at the grassroots. Sometimes we blame the church, we blame, you know, they haven't got a good program, or they haven't got, you know, they're not looking after my kids. But really, if you read the scriptures, uh, fathers. <laughs> Fathers, you teach your children. And sometimes I think we've given over some responsibilities uh, to others what, 
what we should have been fulfilling, we've given that over to someone else. And in doing that, in doing that, we've really weakened our positions. And uh, we get generation that comes, you know, every generation comes with new ideas, every generation comes and, and we haven't held the ground uh, that we once fought for. Um, and when you become so complacent, uh, then you're going to have a decline. And I think uh, you and I spoke about that survey that was done about 10 years ago. We had some like 200 independent Baptist churches. I mean, when you go to America, folks, there's, there's an independent Baptist on every corner. Like they've got something like 16,000 churches, all right? And uh, in Australia, we've got, we had 200. And as of the last count, we were down to 140-something, 145, 47. Yeah, so the... the um the survey that, that Pastor Mansell was referring to was one that, um, that Robert Bax did. That was probably the most comprehensive one that we've yeah. done ever. But uh, I remember filling that out, receiving that in, in Sydney and filling that out. And honestly, just, just a little um, curious as to what the result would be. And I think we found that there was 195 um, independent Baptist churches at that point. Um, that, this was 2012, so just a little over 10 years ago this was published. And, and, you know, just from the raw numbers point of view, that's 195. At that point, we had uh, 23 million in our population. And you look at that, and that's really not enough as far as just gospel preaching churches. And then um, recently, we, we did a quick, you know, follow-up follow of some of those, those findings. And what we found is we've gone from 195 churches to about 147. And so within 10 years, there's been a lot of closures, and, you know, obviously that's concerning. When we've, our population has grown to 20, 26 million in the time, and you're, you're looking at that and you're going, we're not even catching up with population growth, let alone what we had in 2012. So there is a, there's a trending towards what, what was already mentioned, that decline, and I think there's some, some other factors associated to that um, What's your observation, Pastor Gus? I think that, um, that we, as Christians, have forgotten a fundamental premise of what Christianity is about. It's not about us, folks. We're, we're living a Christianity in, in the modern era that is, that is, that is centred on me. It's centred on my family. It's centered on, on what my children need, on, on, on what works for me, and um, and that and, and that just doesn't that, that doesn't work. Um, we've lost our way, and uh, we need to get back, I believe, to to the the fundamentals of our faith. That it's me having a relationship with God, and obeying what He says, and living a life that's honouring and pleasing to him and that I'm going to walk with God and I'm going to, I'm going to have my relationship with God and, and, and at the end of the day uh, my needs and my desires and, and my wants are second to what God needs. Uh, we've lost our first love and what happens is when we lose our first love God is gracious and God is merciful but he sort of lets us go. And uh, what we do, we start to see that we're, um, we're ministering and we're having churches uh, that do some good things but without the power of God. Um, and again, we do the right things, folks. You know, we come to church and, and we go evangelism and we do all these things and there's very little fruit. 
and with, as time progresses, as time goes on, and the fruit is scarce, uh, churches struggle. Uh, people leave, they go looking for another church that's got uh, more programs and uh, more, more things, and, and preachers get tired and get burnt out by trying even harder. And uh, I believe that's what we're seeing, the decline. I had a, a family uh, uh, that walked into our church and uh, Dad carried his King James Bible under his arm and you know, he wore a tie, he looked sharp. And they walked into our church and said, we only just moved into the area and uh, we're looking for a Bible preaching church. And someone just, just preaches the Bible. I said, well, brother, it looks like you came to the right place. As far as I know, we preach the scriptures here. And the, the, the second question was, what's your kids' programs like? Uh, uh, the way our church is, folks, we have, we, have, uh, uh, we have four kids in the church um, that are between 8 and 12. And then we'll have three or four more that are just between toddler. We, we, we don't have children in the church. And they saw this and they said, oh, this is not for us. Um, and they went elsewhere. Um, uh, to, and as far as I know, they ended up in an Anglican church. Um, and, and this is a mentality. Um, uh, I hate to say it, but we're, 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 um, we're falling for this seeker-sensitive church type mentality. And uh, if we continue down that path, we're going to struggle. Um, uh, that, that's where I see fundamental Christianity is at. Uh, we, we, we've, just, we've just fallen out of love with what's important. Uh, we're looking for an experience rather than a, than a relationship uh, with the Lord. You know, I read some of, some of the old uh, histories of, of, of churches and, um, and these guys were just in love with the Lord and everything else was, was, um, was uh, you know, uh, superfluous to, 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 to what, what was needed. These guys, churches uh, could meet under a tree. Um, you know, churches thrived under persecution uh, because the Lord was the preeminent thing. And I think we need to get back to that at whatever the cost. I don't think that if God doesn't want to bless our churches, he's just waiting for us to come back. And I, I've been reading through Jeremiah uh, in my quiet time, through Jeremiah chapter 1, 2 and 3. And if you read that, and, and you will just see the, the same thing. Israel was about to get judged. Um, God was bringing King Nebuchadnezzar to, to judge them. And in the first three chapters of Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, you go and you tell them uh, that they need to come back to me. It's not about the circumstances, it's about me. And, uh, and we're the same thing, folks. We, we need to come back to the Lord and be preeminent in our churches, in, in, in the life of the Christian. We could discuss a lot of things and, and look at the nuances of what we're observing, but, boy, we can cut through a lot by just applying that. And we can cut, cut through all of it. And um, just sitting here, just, you know, just feeling convicted about the fact that oftentimes we're looking for solutions from a, from a strategic point of view at times, and the reality is it's just our, what... what Pastor Gus was talking about really is just a personal revival first of just mm. coming back to the Lord and having that that relationship with the Lord that's close and that's abiding like we read in John 15. And uh, I think, again, something that, that we 
sort of touched upon is just that we have a world full of choice. And, you know, when, when we don't evaluate our choices based on what does God want us to do, then we start to move away from who we need to be. And um, I think that's, a, that's really important and, and very sobering to think about that. You know, again, I spent a lot of time, I think, just thinking through and, and, and praying through and just keep committing some things to the Lord about what, what's happening in our day. But, oh, man, if we just get back to this loving God and mm. looking to him and just having that, that closeness with the Lord, I think um, a lot of the, the, the ills of, of church and society would, um, would definitely get, um, get solved. Anything else there, Pastor Vance? You just oh, I just wanted to uh, just read a portion. Uh, we certainly know we're living in the Laodicean age, yeah. and uh, if you look what the, how the Lord assessed that age and assessed that church, uh, He said, um, "I know thy works." So Revelation chapter three verse fifteen. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. I think. Uh, Many of us are just, uh, we're just happy. We're just cruising along, right? We're just, life is good, you know? We're just cruising along. And uh, so the Lord says, So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest, I am rich. Listen to what he says. I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that Thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. I think what we don't, we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. We, we think we're okay, right? We're just okay. We're, we've done our religious duty. We're in church. We haven't fallen out of church. You know, we bring our kids. Life is just right. But God is not asking us about just a performance. There has to be a genuine heart again. Uh, we need to look to, be, to him, to be dependent on him, to love him again, as Pastor Gus said. And honestly, when you love the Lord with all your heart, he has everything. You know, say like people get a little bit, you know, like don't ask me about money. And we get a little bit, even as churches, we're we're a little bit shy about asking people to give, because uh, at the moment people think, oh, churches all they want is my money. But reality is, if God has a hold of your heart, He has your money, He has your house, He has your car, He has your children, He has your whole life. And we've got to go back to giving ourselves completely over to the, over to the Lord, and stop compartmentalizing our Sunday Christianity from the rest of the week. Amen. We've got to stop that. Like, if we're really going to make any advancement in our faith and seeing people saved, it's got to be real. That's what I say. Keep it real. Keep it real. Like, don't be a, a Christian on Sunday and then Monday through to Saturday, you're doing your own thing. Like, it's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. And I think if we go back to that and loving the Lord and understanding that just because we have everything... Uh, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not spiritual. People think that because I, I, I am rich, God must be blessing me, and God is happy with me. But that might not be the real reason why you've been prospered. Uh, never link prosperity with with the blessing. Mm. 
right? As far as I know through the scripture, the blessing always comes with obedience. That's right. And that's true, true riches from the Lord is when we walk in obedience. And so I think we need to, a stirring again. I really believe we, yeah. I don't believe it's all far gone, right? We're, I don't believe we, we should quit. We shouldn't just hang the towel and say, oh, it's all gone, don't worry about it. Like, you know, forget. I think, you know, if, if 12 men and, uh, who walked with Jesus uh, were able to turn the world upside down, just think about that. How, wh- how did they do that? How did they do that? Well, number one, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, right? How many of us, when we say filled, we've we've been given the Holy Spirit upon salvation. We're sealed with that spirit of promise. But when we say filled, that is being dependent and led by the Spirit of God. Wonder how many of us wake up every morning and say, Lord, would you lead me by the power of your Spirit? Control me today. Control my thinking, control my heart, control my mouth, control where I go. May I be led by you. I wonder how many of us are really led by the Spirit, number one. Uh, Number two, I wonder how many of us have given ourselves completely over to the Lord in saying, God, have your good pleasure in me today. Because sometimes what we do is we're doing our own pleasure, aren't we? Uh, I like doing this. I'm going to eat that. I'm going to visit that. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do everything which is to our own pleasure. I wonder how many times we, we focus and say, God, would you have your good pleasure? Allow me to do your good pleasure. And if you think about those men, and their, their main focus in life was to tell people that Jesus rose from the grave. And he is the Messiah. He's the one who can save you. I mean, that's what they dedicated their life to. And uh, I'm not saying that we all need to go quit our jobs and become evangelists. But we all can be evangelists while we are doing our jobs. Really, that's what it is. It's, it's really taking on what the Lord has done in us. You know, people can, you, you say, well, I can't debate. I don't know the Bible really well. What if they ask me a curly question? That's not what you're supposed to be doing. Your job is not to debate. But you know what? If you can just tell somebody your testimony, just tell them how Jesus worked in your life and you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Nobody can dispute that. That's your personal experience. Mm. Oh, they can tell you. They can't say, "Well, that's not true." Well, how would they know? I'm telling you what happened to me. Do you, you understand? So, you, your personal testimony is so powerful that if you just take that and tell <coughs> people about what Christ did in you, everywhere you, everywhere you go, everywhere you go, and then you're planting the seeds, you're watering the seed, and God will give you opportunities. God will give you opportunity to expound and explain and to give the Word of God or bring someone to church or connect them with somebody else who may be able to answer their questions. Remember, we're all working together. Remember, everyone has a part to play. And if we just do that, we can bring a revival to our nation. We just need to stand up. I really believe that. I think we just need to stand up and be counted and make a change. You can make an impact on Albany Creek. If, you, if you're sitting here thinking we're small, we're, as far as the population here, we're negligible, how could you ever change that? Then you have a small God. Your God is not my God. Right? God is still able. You know, God is still willing. God still wants to save. If you think about why the Lord hasn't returned yet, why hasn't he returned? 
We all want him to return, but he, he is, by his mercy and compassion, he wants more people to come to know Christ. And the children of God are happy to sit at his table and feast and, hey, we're having a great time, when there's a world outside that needs us. There's a world outside that needs us, that needs us to minister into their life. So what are we doing about it? Hey, it's great, we can sit here and we can talk about it, and we can talk till Jesus comes. But nothing changes if we don't get out of our seats today and go back and say, I am going to make a difference. I am going to take my part. I am going to do my part. I'm going to do what I can do. Do you know that God never asked you to do something more than what he has equipped you to do? Have you ever thought about that? God's not going to, if you're a two-talent person, he's not going to make you do a five-talent task. But whatever God gives you, to do, he's going to equip you. He's going to give you the ability to do it. He's got, you've got his omnipotent power behind you to get it done. And the reason why we don't see great things is because we have not attempted great things. Come on, let's be honest. Expect great things. That's what William Perry said, didn't he? Expect great things. Attempt great things. If we don't have an expectation from God to do something great, we're not going to get up and do it. So uh, I think... Uh, you know, the, the future of our country as far as Christianity is concerned lies squarely on each one of us. Amen. Lies squarely on how we, how we train our children. You know, we, we have today a mentality that uh, you're doing great if you've got a good job. You're doing great because you've bought your first home. You know, this thing about you've got to have your own home, this is the Australian dream. Do you, you, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, this, it just binds us into slavery, into a mortgage, and binds us to a job that we can't leave because we've got to pay the mortgage. And, and then we're, all we're worried is focusing about that accumulation. Now, nothing wrong with buying a house. Please, don't misunderstand me. But when our mentality is all about living life to accumulate and to possess, we've forgotten to possess things that are eternal. Mm. Does that make sense? And so... We've all been sold, this, and many have drunk this Kool-Aid to think that life on earth here is about what I can enjoy here. You see, the world needs that because for them, they have no future hope or future expectancy. You have a future hope. You have a future expectancy. Paul says that for our, our conversation or our citizenship is not here. Where is, where is your citizenship? Okay, if your citizenship is in heaven, why is it that we make earth our permanent dwelling place? Think about it. Like how many of us have really engaged about thinking of eternity and helping people go and, and to be with the Lord or, or you know, put our treasures in heaven because that's where your treasure is, is where your heart will be also. I mean, how many of us have really understood that? How many of us have really understood where Jesus said, you know, don't be covetous. Life is not about what you possess. I think, you know, these are the things that are fundamental, but I think living in this country, living in an affluent society, you know, we, we live with people, we engage with people, and, and we become like them. And, that, and so our, our motives, our purpose, uh, all that we do is pointed in that direction, and we, we begin to raise our children to see that that's the true value of living, right? Uh, it, it's good for you to grow up and it's good for you to get a good job and it's good for you to buy a house and it's good for you to have status and it's good for you to... And so that's what they're learning. That's what they're seeing. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we change the direction 
of the next generation. Amen. Wouldn't it be wonderful if parents sat down and said, spoke to their kids and said, you know what, son, it would be an honour for us as a family if the Lord would call you into the ministry. I wonder how many of us would say that. Most of us are a little, a little bit afraid and apprehensive. What would God do with my son? Where would he take him? Where would they go? Where would they live? And we're more worried about controlling our children than handing them over. Hannah, when God gave her Samuel, what'd she do? She gave him to the Lord. And she would go visit him. I wonder how many ladies would be willing to give their little children to the Lord and just come and see them once a year and bring a new set of clothes and say, I'm, I'm glad. You, God gave, gave you to me. I'm going to give you back to the Lord. And I think you know, many of us have become too possessive of our children and we're, we're afraid to let them go. And that's the reason why you look, there's, there's not a whole line of young people knocking on the door saying, I want to be a pastor, I want to, I want to plant a church somewhere. Have you, have you noticed that? Have you looked at the landscape? Hmm? Yeah? Most of the people in this room, okay, men and women, have already written themselves off from full-time Christian service. Why? Yeah. When we do that, when we say, oh, God can't use me. I mean, there's plenty of, pl- plenty of people in this room. And when we say God can't use me, that is a philosophy we pass on to the next generation. Sure. And, and we don't have a lot of young people, uh, you know, bashing down the doors of Bible colleges and all these things because mum and dad just never thought that they themselves were worthy of that. Mm. You know, we change the next generation by our young people seeing mums and dads, even later on in life, saying, you know what, God can use me. I tell you, folks, you know what? Most people are waiting from a booming voice from heaven to say, Moses, I'm calling you. It doesn't happen that way, folks. Mm. If you're scripturally qualified, and, I, and we take that seriously, right? You, mm. you, can't be, you, you need to be qualified according to the word of God. If you have a yielded heart, a surrendered heart, God will use you. God will use you. And, and, and if our children see that, they will grow up with the philosophy is, I, am, I, am, I can be used of God. But the problem is they've, they've grown up seeing multiple, uh, uh, a generation that says, you know what, someone else's job. I mean, you, if you're saved here this morning, and I, and I pray that you are, uh, God has given gifts unto men. You, he's gifted you. And you need to go forth we need to go forth and use those gifts that God has given us to the nth degree and, and, and show that before our children and before our nation uh, that we serve a great God. So don't write yourself off. I, I would encourage you, you know, God called me to, to full-time ministry um, at the age of you know, 29, 30. I was in Bible college at 35. There is no reason why anyone in this room cannot go and serve the Lord. Well, our, our time's quickly, um, quickly passing us by. Um, I think if I could summarize, you know, we've discussed a little bit in, in just broad terms, just the macro, right, the, the overall problem in the sense of what we're seeing in our nation. But it really comes down to the micro. Mm. It comes down to us as individual believers to earnestly and passionately follow Christ.
and to pass that on in our spheres of influence, whether that's on our family as, as uh, God gives us our children, but it's in our ministries, it's in our neighborhoods, it's in our uh, workplaces. If we would truly be the kind of Christians we need to be and, and we come before the Lord and love him like we ought, then that's just going to be the difference that the, this nation needs. And I think then beyond our borders as well, because remember the Great Commission is both, right? And in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part. But it's got to start, and God's a God of order. He, he, he placed it in that order for a reason. And so God's mindset is always just start with the micro, because the micro will affect the macro of things. And so, you know, we, we often... We often discuss um, the macro of the issues of Australia and the, and the world at large, but actually it's about boiling it down to what are we going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to follow God? Am I obeying his will? Am I following after? Am I spirit-filled? Am I being led by his word each day? And if we would do that, then it just makes all the difference in our world. And I think the, the beauty of that is each and every one of us can do that. Right? Not, it's not those who are super Christians. There's no such thing. No, it's every one of us at our, at, at our, at our, in our neighborhoods, at our workplace. It's all of us in, in our locality, in our vicinity, that we just can actually make a difference. And, and I know all of us here, we, we've got our own burdens that we've got to bear and we've got to have, just live life the way everyone else needs to live life. We've got to make ends meet. <coughs> But the, 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 the great thing about being a Christian is that all of that comes with the, the purpose of God. And it comes with God's guidance. It comes with God's resourcing. And when we, we have that, those priorities in place, then God can use us and God can turn the world upside down. And, um, you know, it, it starts here, right here in Albany Creek. It starts there over in Phillip Bay and over in Regent's Park. And all over the place, as we try to encourage one another in the work, um, let's just be faithful in our place and just as individuals walk with God like we should. All right, it's morning tea. Let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll be dismissed. Thanks for, for tuning in, and um, you've listened well. Um, we're going to enjoy our fellowship now and then, uh, and then be back 10.30. So let's pray. Pray for the day, pray for the food, and then we'll, we'll see you at 10.30. Father, we love you. We thank you, dear Lord, for just the, the good, uh, Lord, just good discussion this morning. And Lord, so often we can focus on the, the overall uh, problems and issues and we can look at our world and look at our nation and be grieved and concerned and, and even be frustrated with it. And yet, Lord, all of us here, we, we have, Lord, what it takes through you, Lord, to, to actually start to make the change. And that, Lord, has to start with a change in our hearts, Lord, to want to follow you wholeheartedly and love you like we should. And, and Father, Lord, that then from that it'll infect our homes, it'll affect our, our neighborhoods, our communities, our, our workplaces, our, our educational institutions, Lord, and then the next generation. And uh, Lord, as you tarry your coming, Lord, we look to your, your um, Lord, your soon return, but Lord, in, in this space of grace, help us to do our bit, Lord, in our generation to, uh, Lord, to win others to you, to lead others to, 
a saving knowledge of of the Lord, and and then Lord that we might rejoice in um, Lord in your in your day to come. And Lord, we are thankful for this day. We pray that you continue to bless uh, with your presence through the day. And then Lord, just as we gather for fellowship, I pray that you bless the food and bless the the fellowship. May our conversations be honoring to you. And we pray that as we gather again at 10.30, that you'd be, um, again, Lord, just work in our hearts, that you'd edify us, dear God, in your word. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you for our church. Thank you for our friends here. Uh, we pray for their churches and their families, dear God, in, in their respective places, that you would just uh, be with them as well. And Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. Thank you. <laughs>